0: Again, everyone, welcome to another episode of Fan Fuel Motorsports. Um, I will be again your interim host. Um, Alex is at work again this week. I am joined today, as always, by Nathan Ball and then our uh, your second time on Keith Merrick. Keith, how's hey, it going? It's
1: out, what's up? Ah, you know, just having a blast, living life. Yeah, hell yeah, same, living the dream. Uh, someone's dream, I can tell you that much. I don't know who's, but yeah, <laughs>
0: CEO of Wawa, maybe. Hell yeah, man yeah uh what'd you guys how'd you guys have a you guys have a good weekend how was your guys clash experience
1: i loved it (laughs) i mean that was awesome i mean i i've also been waiting three months to to watch a race so it was nice to sit down and have some uh have some racing back and you know i know the rolex we had uh you know the week prior and that was awesome but it's just something about having nascar back that's awesome
2: yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. it too. Like I think whenever NASCAR comes back, that's pretty much like the signal everything's back. Cuz of Rolex like you said, it's always like a little bit before everything. But once NASCAR comes back, usually it's not long before everything's back.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for me it's the uh after the Super Bowl is kind of the Oh yeah. all right, everything's back now. Right. Like okay. it takes a
2: few months and then everything's like well. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll get right into it. Keith, I know you have kind of a limited time frame tonight. you got to be at work here in just a couple hours. Um, I do.
1: You can go a little bit further. I mean, I, I, have, I have some pull. I have some pull. If I'm a little late, it's okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Keep a little late. Um, are you guys going to be watching
0: the Super Bowl this weekend?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Keith, are you a big football fan? Big time. Big time. Who's your team? I'm a L.A. Raiders from L.A. L- Las Vegas Raiders fan.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, do you have any predictions for us for the Super Bowl?
1: I don't watch football, so this is you and Nate here. <laughs> um, well, since you aren't much of a football fan, unfortunately, my, my Vegas Raiders, they got into the playoffs for the first time in a while, and uh, it was super exciting. And the team that beat us to knock us out of the playoffs is in the Super Bowl, which is the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I would love to see them pull it off for their fans. Um, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, all great players. I'd love to see them all get a ring. But the nostalgia part of me would love to see Matt Stafford get a ring with uh, with the Rams. I've been watching that man for almost 15 years now as a quarterback. So, uh, honestly, this is one of the most enjoyable Super Bowls I'm going to have in a very long time because it won't be Tom Brady, it won't be Peyton Manning, (laughs) It's going to be two teams with, you know, leaders that we haven't seen in a very long time. The the parity is going to be awesome and exciting and I just know for a fact I'm going to sit down and watch a great ball game.
2: Yeah? Yeah, I would say the same. I'm pretty excited. I think it's going to be harder to predict this year because it doesn't seem like one team's vastly better than the other. So, mm-hmm. it's kind of a first for me at least or maybe a first for the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. There's there's no clear favorite.
2: Right.
0: Well, if you had to pick a winner, who are you guys going with? Who do you want to win?
1: <sighs> okay. Ooh, Man, the Yeah, it's like I, I want both teams to succeed, but I know there can only be one winner. But um, I I really I want the Rams to win um, because of them being in their home stadium. Again, second straight year for a team to be in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. Um, I would love to see Matt Stafford get a ring. I would love to see Oda Beckham Jr. get a ring. I would love to see Aaron Donald get a ring. Because I don't know how many more times we're going to have a shot to get a ring. I hope there's going to be more opportunities for him to go ahead and do so. But this is his best chance right here. You know, he's not going against Tom Brady and the superstar Patriots. So I I really, I think I have to go with the Rams because the Bengals, that team is going to be around for a long time. And uh, the Rams, I'd love to see them pull it off this year.
2: Yeah, I would say so too. Like my heart, I want the Rams to win. Um, I would like seeing that happen, but then again, my brain's like, you know, Joe Burrow's penchant for miracles and I could see that happening again. It's like, he's going to pull something off. That's even more ridiculous than the last however many <laughs> yeah. times he's pulled it off. So I don't, I don't know. I think my heart and my head are kind of opposites. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, again, I don't, I don't watch football, so I'm just going to be, uh, drinking a couple beers and uh eating some, some wings. Sit back home. and enjoy yeah.
1: man. You're going to be entertained.
0: Um let's let's jump right in because we got a lot to unpack from this last weekend. Um mm-hmm. So Clash was this past weekend, um first time in the LA Coliseum, um, which was cool in and of itself. We will get to that. Um but NASCAR commercials are back. We saw we were starting to see NASCAR drivers kind of appearing in more commercials now. Um, We saw like the advanced auto parts shell one um, the DoorDash commercial with Bubba. I think that was playing last year as well. Um, What are you guys' thoughts on kind of the, the revamp of the NASCAR drivers and
1: commercials? Um, It's huge. I mean, you got to think back to the, the Dale jr. Budweiser boom, when he was in every advertisement, Jeff Gordon with his Pepsi, Jimmy Johnson with Lowe's and cobalt, you know, you had the biggest names to go along with their brands. Um, Half of a driver's identity in this world is their sponsorship. So you go and you put a DoorDash sponsorship on Bubba Wallace's car and then have a commercial run with his face there. I mean, it it goes hand in hand. And then you go out and you you flip it through channels and see a DoorDash car and it happens to be the same guy who's in the commercial. And it it becomes so simple for someone to just be like, shit, I want to follow that guy. You know, or you watch Ryan Blaney, you know, you see him with the advanced auto parts sponsorships and you then see him go out and and be exciting and show some fire, even though Fox can't catch it on television. But, you know, um, it's 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 an awesome, awesome thing. And I think it's going to be fantastic. I know that there was a um, there was a little commercial shoot the day before the clash that is going to be shown before the Super Bowl. So that's huge. You have some of the biggest stars with their sponsors aligning as well that are going to be showing their faces even more. So Um, it's this sport is in the most popular place. It's been in quite some time. I have to say.
2: Yeah. I think I'm excited for that because I know growing up, there used to be a lot more commercials with drivers in it and that kind of went away for a little bit, probably like a good four or five years to where you wouldn't really see people on TV and then, I know a couple of years ago, Hamlin was in a Domino's commercial. Everybody made a big deal about that. And that I remember thinking guys. like, man, I remember when this used to be normal, like this used to not be a big deal. And now I think we're getting to the point where it might be normal again. So that's really good. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One can hope.
0: I remember, like you said, Nate, as a kid, I mean, the Gillette Young Nuns commercials, mm-hmm. all the Nextill yes. commercials when they yeah. radio i mean there were tons of them the coca cola racing family ones so mm. they, they still do a little bit but not quite as as much as they used to um and nascar commercials used to be funny man
2: oh yeah be <laughs> like to i remember there's a truex commercial where it was like playing a piano and there's like there's all sorts of them honestly
0: yeah yeah we'll have to uh get on twitter and talk about our favorite nascar commercials from, from oh later. man
1: it, I, it's yeah. got to be for me it's got to be the duke Hall.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that was on there for a while. Yeah. That we we got to make a tier list. Like we could go with best NASCAR commercials and worst. I think the worst would probably be like the narwhals commercial for Sprint. That's got to be definitely top of the top for the worst. Narwhals Um, is pretty bad. Liberty Mutual ones. I mean, we could make two different tiers for this.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Um,
0: so we'll get into. uh, I did want to talk about that because I knew the answer for all that was going to be woke, um, for everyone. So we're going to get yeah. into Walker joke. Now the, what do you guys think of the clash format of the heat races, the last chance qualifiers, um, and then the, uh, the big break before the 150 lap main.
1: Um, the format was perfect. perfect. So that was definitely woke. Um, I, I thought that what they did, the way that they set everything up was fantastic. Um, to have everything split up in a certain way, um, to have everything kind of just go back to back to back, where you you never miss a, a beat, you're not you're not really out of it, so it's not such a big intermission in between each heat. You kind of take a little short break between the LCQs. You have two LCQs, which was great instead of just throwing you know thirty cars out on the field and let them duke it out. You know, you bust it up into two LCQs, and you have you know an opportunity to see two different sets of drivers. So. And then the big break, I, I liked that. It was a nice little reprieve. And then uh got into the big dance. So I loved it. I thought it was great.
2: Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I think it was fun to to sort of get that heat race mm-hmm. thing where you kind of back to back to back to back. You know, it's sort of like the days where single car qualifying, you'd watch it on TV and you'd see a car every time, every single time. There was never like a breaking action, which was really cool. <coughs> and I think it's big for newer fans, like if it's their first time tuning in. You know, they don't want like a 20 minute break in the middle of between every single heat because then they're just going to flip the channel. So they got to see something that engages them and is like kind of rapid fire. So I'm glad they did that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Woke's all around. Um, I do like how they filled it with the concert, that big break in between the, the final LCQ um, yeah. and then the main event. Um, and then they immediately paraded the cars back out as soon as the crews can make whatever repairs they needed and let the fans see them and let them know, hey, we're about ready to get going here. Um, which was awesome. I hate nothing more than going to a local track. Um, and after the heat, they have a 20 minute break between the main events and they have nothing going on. There's nothing over the speakers, but music, there's no one on track. Um, it just kills the whole night. Um, so I really like that. They tried their best to fill it, even though I know a lot of the, uh, the traditionalist fans and the boomers weren't excited about the concert. Yeah. Yeah. Screw it. We're in L.A. We're not in Darlington, South Carolina. Let's
1: get That's some LA the thing, time. man. You're in Los Angeles. You have some of the biggest, most powerful people in the entertainment industry that said, yo, let's go to a NASCAR race. Maybe, yep. in you know, 2001, that would go. But you're in 2022 and you have people like Pitbull. I know he owns a race team, but he doesn't have to go and and do any kind of show. Ice Cube doesn't have to do any show. You know, like, you don't have to have these people out there. They said, screw it. Let's go and enjoy ourselves. Let's let's put this this where it's supposed to be. Let's put it in L.A. Let's have fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, not only them, but we had, like, TikTok star Charlie DeMio out there. So, like, think mm-hmm. of how many eyes those people are putting on the sport by posting about it on their feeds, you know? Yes. Um, I mean, it, it was fantastic all around. This is exactly what we needed um, to help kind of rejuvenate the sport right before the season. 100%. 100%. Um, we saw quite a bit of action in heat races, more so in the last two heat races. Um, what was your guys' opinions on that, woke or joke? Um, the heat races were kind of just short enough to get a good run in, but not quite long enough to see those long-run cars play out.
1: Definitely woke. You know, I, I don't think – it wasn't supposed to be an endurance race. It was supposed mm-hmm. to be a qualifying race, and that's exactly what it was, was you have enough time to figure out your car, you have enough time to figure out your stuff, and you have enough time to either go to from the back of the field to the front of the field or you have enough time to get past. So it's it was perfect for the fans, it was perfect for the drivers. I mean, what? It was like 8 minutes per heat. Yeah. I mean, it's 25 laps, went quick. So it, you had enough time to figure out your stuff and just make it work. So definitely woke
2: yeah, I was pretty excited about it. Um, initially, I was like, okay, maybe this is a little bit short. But once I figured out how long the LCQ was, it kind of made up for it. So I think I'm going woke as well.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go woke. I wish they would have made the heats 20 laps. Just give it that much more of a sense of urgency. Um, but mm-hmm. either way, it was still great. And like you guys mentioned earlier, they were really quick to roll them out back to back You're to back. Right. Um, they didn't take a ton of time in between. It was pretty much as soon as one set of cars went off, the other ones came on. Um So I am. I am cool with that. Um, Now, in the LCQ, the first LCQ was I mean, it was it was still a race, um, but it wasn't the second LCQ, which we saw caution after caution. I do want to talk about the the Ty Dillon penalties. Um, So we had the first one where he was uh, he beat Kurt or he jumped the restart, even though Kurt beat him to the line. And then he was DQ'd going into the A main after he'd earned that spot back.
1: Woke or joke on those penalties? Hmm. I'm going to go joke for the first one. Actually, both of them, honestly. And I have a reason why. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of Ty Dillon's racing, but he was also put in a position where he kind of had to. He needed to bully his way to the front because that first penalty, he gave the spot back. And... If you have any kind of idea of how this sport works, you know that if you give the lead car the spot back and you find your way back behind the lead driver, even if you beat them to the line, you're good. Like Kurt Busch in 2015 at Phoenix, he beat Jimmy Johnson to the line and he kept going. Jimmy Johnson at Dover in 2013 beat Montoya to the line and kept on going. When you give the leader the, the, the lead back, you're, you're clear, you're fine. So why he was given a penalty, I don't know. And as for the final one, he blatantly went through the restart zone. But they didn't say, hey, listen, you got to go behind because, you know, you just you jumped it. And they waited until after the race was over. To be like, hey, just so you know, you're disqualified. So it, I, I didn't like the way that they handled it. It um, definitely could have been more professionally done. So I'm going to go joke on that.
2: Yeah, like I'll definitely go joke on the second one because I think that they probably should have just done it instantly. But there's a there's a part of me that has like a tinfoil hat that's thinking, you know, maybe they don't want to confuse the casual fans. Maybe they don't want to say, oh, that guy crossed the finish line first. Why is he not in? You know, I think they might have had that in the back of their minds when they were making this decision. They're like, maybe we should just wait and let let people see the race as it goes on. But I still think at the same time, Like, if there's a penalty, I think it needs to be done immediately. Like, none of the whole this incident's under investigation type stuff. Like, just do it immediately. Just get it over with.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go joke on both. Um, So, the first one, Kurt still beat him to the line. And that's what we've always talked about for years and we've heard him on the broadcast. You can't beat the leader to the line, you know. Um, The leader sets the start. And, yeah, he did jump before Kurt. But he still let off, and he killed his momentum going to the line to make sure that he wasn't going to beat Kurt to the start-finish line to get that green flag. Um, So that one was a joke. And then the second one as well, why do we have a restart zone on a quarter-mile track? Just, I mean, every other local short track, the leader sets the pace. As soon as they come out of the corner, you see him gas it. And I guarantee that's kind of what Ty's thought was. He wasn't looking for a line that was 50-50 you know, yards down the straightaway, he was just, all right, right out of the corner, I'm going, you know, I'm going to try to get the best jump on this. Um, so I see why they gave him the penalty, but I really wish they would have thrown the black flag next time around. That's a quick penalty you can give out. I really wish they wouldn't right. have right. Um, waited on it. And like you said, up for investigation. Um, Cause I can only think of how confused a lot of the people in the stands were to see the 42 car cross the line, think he's in the A main. And then, oh wait, shit, he's not. Um, so I, I really wish they would have just thrown the black flag next time by. Martin Truex Jr. did not need to run the LCQ, and he got the provisional. Um yes. joke,
1: Joke, 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 joke. I hate that. I think it's so stupid. Like, the fact that you get a provisional, like, yeah, I don't feel like running it. Like, no. Like, get out there and run with everybody else. You know, I, I know you want to try to preserve your shit, but, like, I, I mean – I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking too far into it because, you know, maybe I, if I was in the same position, you're trying to salvage your car. You're trying to save it. I get it. But at the same time, you're like, you're trying to put on a good show for everybody and have that. It's like, damn, man, not even, not even going to attempt it. Shit. But it is what it is. So I'm going to go joke on it.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it kind of takes the incentive out. It's unfair to whoever's, you know, third in points, fourth in points, fifth in points, because, if there's no if there's no incentive or there's no risk of him losing that spot, then why is third in points even worried about the provisional if they're not gonna get it? You know, like you should make it up for grabs so that oh this guy might not be able to have the provisional, you know? Yes. It's like the all-star race. The fan vote drivers, they probably know they've won, but they still have to race. Yes. You know, yep. so if the fan vote guy doesn't race if the fan vote person races their way in, then it goes to the next highest vote. Like, so why in that case, why would you just, why would they be allowed to sit? Because it's kind of unfair to whoever's the next best.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think the only driver that should have been locked into the main before the LCQs was Kyle Bush because he did qualify faster than everyone else. Um, other than that, everyone else should have had to race their way in. Um, but not only that, it's kind of like I looked at it almost as like the, uh, the duels at Daytona to where even if you win the pole or the outside pole, you still have to run the duel. You can't start, or you you can, I guess, start and park it. Um, But you still have to. Nobody's going to do that. Right, yeah. You still have to participate in the duel. You can't just opt out of it. Um, So I would have liked to have seen seen him run it. Um, I would have liked to have just not given him a provisional at all. Um, So yeah, jokes all around. Keslowski, Kurt Busch, and Alex Bowman didn't make it into the main event. Woke or joke?
1: Woke. I mean, right there you're seeing the power of the next gen car as it became an equalizer. Cody fucking ware almost made it into the main event. Cody Ware for so long was just considered ah oh, he's just a Rick Ware racing driver. He almost raced his way in. You know, I know that there's still some some you know new kinks that are coming through with RFK trying to get everything all set, I'm ready to go. Because you really, you could see the six car wasn't really all there uh, for much of the event. I mean, from the drop of the green flag and and qualifying, he was just never there. Um, Kurt Busch, I mean, he was was there, had the race lead. And then, you know, he had some bonsai moves under him. He had some crazy stuff. Alex Bowman, same thing. I I mean, it it made it so difficult to predict who was actually going to be there at the very end of it. I thought it was awesome the fact that, you know, you didn't know who was going to make it or not. You know, you could be, and this was the situation that maybe Truex was trying to avoid, was that he's already in, don't get your car wrecked, I get it, but you're out there, and you got to go and battle for your spot. And they they went, they battled, and they didn't make it, and I thought that was awesome.
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty cool, because not being guaranteed is kind of fun. Um, usually it's weird, because Clash is just poll winners, past Clash winners, whatever, but this is the first time where, where everybody was there. Like every main entry was there and they could race their way in. So it was kind of different, but I think if you're going to keep the clash on like a short track, then it's probably the right idea because it has that short track feeling to it to have qualifying races.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It is woke. There were some big names that didn't make it. Of course we knew that was going to happen with just a 24 car field. um, There were bound to be a few guys that we consider big names that weren't going to make it in um kurt was definitely the most surprising out of the three to me um especially because he was running so well in the lcq and kind of got junk there at the end um bowman as well keselowski didn't really surprise me like he said as soon as they unloaded they kind of just looked off um so his didn't really surprise me all that much um we need to talk about these cars because I think RD is sweating a little bit. We saw Chase Briscoe. Oh, yeah. Um, his shifting led to a gearbox failure. Um, he, Tyler same,
2: Reddick. Same with Tyler Reddick. Same with Tyler Reddick. He his, had power they,
0: steering and
2: suspensions, yeah, did, too. We can't forget those.
0: Yeah. They determined that Tyler Reddick was something in the driveline. Um, but still, it was when he was trying to warm up his tires. It wasn't like he was doing anything crazy with it. Um, I'm... I've got a couple comments that I would like to make that I, I did make in our um, group chat over the weekend. Keith woke or joke. What
1: what did you think of some of these issues we were having? Um, I have to say woke. Um, and the reason being is because you have a brand new race car that is now officially in its first real race setting. Um, you also have it on this tiny little bull ring racetrack that believe it or not, it takes more of a toll on these smaller racetracks than it does on a track like Charlotte or Fontana. Um, it's just, it's tight quarters. You have, um, uh, I'm sure the the gear ratios are very different on a shorter racetrack. Um, so when you kind of break it down and look at it, you look at Tyler Reddick trying to just mash the gas and, and try to heat up the tires. You know, you look at a racetrack like Charlotte, you can kind of Bob and weave Bob and weave at this racetrack. It's so tiny. You have to do it on your own. And, you know, he mashed the gas and just he blew something out in the driveline. You know, the power steering issue, I'm sure that's something the that NASCAR is already looking at in the R&D center. are like, oh, this is what happened, so let's figure this out. Um, as far as the shifting, I, I think that it's a, such a brand new theme for these race cars with the new sequential gearbox that, especially for a short track, I've never seen somebody try to shift on a short track. Um, so it was very different for this style of race car. So I think right now it's just, it's all the, the new comings that are coming around with this new race car. So it's really not a big alarm for me. It's like, oh shit, because it happened so quick. It was Hamlin, Briscoe, Reddick. And you're like, oh no, the car's blowing up. And I don't feel that. I think that NASCAR has already got a pretty good hold on it. And they're already starting to probably talk to the teams be like, okay, This is what happened, and this is how you can prevent it from happening again. So I'm going to go woke on it.
2: Uh, Yeah, I think I'll go woke on the approach. The only part I'll go joke on is like the part providers, because some of these parts are spec. This happened with the pit guns a while back, because NASCAR wanted spec pit guns for everybody. And I remember the first half of the season, all the pit guns were breaking. like They were all breaking, no matter who was the one using them. But eventually, once the supplier got the guns fixed, nobody had any problems. So I think... It's it's going to come down to whenever the part suppliers can get everything fixed, then usually everyone will be fine. Um, the only thing I wasn't really happy about was the suspensions. Um, everybody talked about the composite body, like you know we could make contact with the wall, you know just fine, nothing's going to happen. But you could make contact with other cars and not have tire rubs. It's just when you made contact with the wall, your suspension was pretty much done. I mean, I think Bowman had a broken. Tolling that put him out. Um Blaney had a broken suspension. I don't know if that was just from Jones hitting him so much or if it was just hitting the wall. Um Almarola had a broken suspension, but obviously his hit was way bigger. So I am mean, a little bit concerned about that because at a track like Homestead or whatever, I don't want to just brush the wall and then have a broken suspension, you know. Like if there's a way to fix that, then that'd be perfect. But I'm kind of hoping that's not a theme.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and um, we will get into the the overall fragility of these cars in the next uh, Walker Joke, so I'll pass. Oh, man, we were going to do that next. I didn't even see that. You're you're good. (laughs) Um, I've got a few choice words for that as well. Um, But as far as the the three that I mentioned earlier, um, I am going to go joke because, as Nate said, a few of those are spec parts. Um, So of all the parts that you don't want to break, spec parts are at the top of the list. Because that's not just a, this team has an equipment failure. It's a everyone could have an equipment failure. Um, it's not. I, I saw people mentioning on Twitter and Facebook that oh, there used to be mechanical failures all the time. Well, yeah, that was from the teams. That wasn't from a supplied part from one supplier. Um, I think as Nate alluded, as soon as the supplier kind of kind of makes some tweaks, um, we see a little bit less of those. But it does worry me going into. Daytona into um, some of these bigger road courses because we weren't even doing full speed pit stops and some of these gearboxes were going out. Um, yeah, you know the driveline's going out on a short track where you're hitting 80 miles an hour tops, and he's just trying to you know um, trying to warm up his tires. Uh, what's going to happen when we go to Circuit of the Americas in March? What's going to happen when um, someone you know drops a gear in front of the pack at Daytona here next week? Um, those are the kind of things I worry about. I think they'll have it figured out by Coda, but getting into next week, especially with the live pit stops, that's what is really going to be the, uh, the eye opener there. So again, joke. And then Keith, you mentioned it too. There were one right after another. Um, I was worried that like half the field was going to have this problem, you know, after another restart or two, I was worried, man, we might have three cars finish this race. Um, Yeah. It it was bad. Yeah. Luckily we didn't. Um, so, Nate, we are in fragility of these next-gen cars. So we did, like you mentioned, Blaney um, had a suspension failure. Alex Bowman had one as well. Um, roll I'm going to put to the side just because he did have quite a big hit into the wall there. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts on the actual fragility of these cars, even though we heard NASCAR for months saying that these cars were going to be tougher and able to take a beating?
1: Um, I'm going to go joke on it. Uh, I think that with how much they talked it up, and how much we expected these cars to kind of act almost like Xfinity series race cars um, to see how they behaved when they hit the walls, when they got hit by other cars um, at, at a certain angle, you know, like one thing that I loved was that when you would see like the bumper cams, you would see, you know, the behind car hit the other car in the, in, in the rear and nothing would move. You know, you, you go back to the older race cars and everything just crunch, but it, it never moved. I thought that was great. But in terms of the fragility of the cars compared to what we expected, it's it's not what we had anticipated. I, I know for a fact I was looking to see you know some kind of Xfinity Series action. You know, those cars you can put them through a fucking you know sawmill and they'll never move. They're <laughs> awesome like that. So um, I gotta go joke on it.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to agree. Like I'll go woke on the composite bodies, but joke on the suspensions because I don't want it to be a trade off where. You know, you get great bodies that don't get tire rubs, but as a trade-off, you're going to have suspensions that just, the toe link breaks every time you touch the wall. Like, I don't I don't want that to happen. I don't want to take one step forward and two steps back. So I'm just going to have to wait and see until we get to like Fontana or whatever and see what happens when people just brush the walls and if it's a big concern or not, because if broken toe links are a common theme, then those are usually pretty big damage. If you watch IndyCar or F1, Yeah. So I definitely don't want that to happen again.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it almost seems like they gave these cars an exoskeleton and just kind of threw the interior together as far as durability goes Mm -hmm. because the bodies can take a beating. I mean, granted, at short tracks, you're going to have a lot harder impacts than you will at most other tracks as far as with other cars Um, just because you can hit a car harder if you're going 30 than you can if you're going 80, 120, 200 miles an hour. Um, But that still doesn't give me a ton of hope um, at least until we kind of see this um, this problem kind of resolve itself. Yeah, the car, the bodies can take a beating, but what good is that if as soon as the car hits something, something else interior will break? Um, yeah. Which, I mean, that does kind of raise a couple red flags. I do think they're going to kind of sort it out, um, but it is, again, something to look forward to um, or at least keep an eye on here in the new future because then otherwise we're going to have a trade-off of guys trying to cut each other's tires down to guys trying to make each other's suspension fail. Yeah, You know, you're going to have guys who are going to figure out how to hit the other guy to knock something out, um, which is going to be worse than cutting a tire down.
1: <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, it will be. It'll be a little more dangerous. There's more risk added. So, yeah, I'd like to stay away from that.
0: Yeah. Um, we saw during the broadcast that there were no commercials during Ice Cube, but there was a commercial about seven minutes into the main
1: event. Woke or joke, Keith? Joke. 2022 next gen car, same old bullshit. You're on this tiny little bull ring racetrack. This this race literally could have taken 35 minutes from green flag to checkered flag, and you're gonna bust in like real quick some commercials, and not even commercials, but a full box commercial. No side by side. No way you can see the action. I, I, I mean, come on. Like, I I know that the networks they prior to each event they make up okay, you know, we're going to put a a commercial spot here, commercial spot here. This is, you know, it's gonna be a full box here. I get that, but you also have to get a lay of the land. Is not only are you trying to cater to the fans that are sitting in the stands in Los Angeles, great 50,000 people that are there right now, apparently, 70% of them are brand new race fans, so they're getting non stop action what about the how many how many fans did we have watched like four million people at some point were watching this race four million people that is that would rank what fifth in the 2021 standings yeah that's that's wild yeah and you have this tiny bullring racetrack all this action all this chaos with a brand new race car and real quick gonna throw some commercials in I mean, I I know you got to make money and I know that's how this all stays afloat, but you got to get a lay of the land. So that's 100% joke.
2: Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, I think Alex just texted texted me during that last little break. He said the race was 37 and a half miles long. So to have a full box commercial in a race that's that short, I mean, that's ridiculous. Especially when you have that many people. I just, I don't get it because you could... Easily, I know that F1 races are two hours and they get paid for by Mother's Polish to go commercial-free. Why can't we do that? Why can't somebody pay for a commercial-free race for 37 miles? I mean, you're not even talking like a full hour before cautions. So, like, you would think one of the title sponsors would be able to step up and pay for that. Like, oh, the Clash presented by Coca-Cola or whatever. Well, you yeah, also it have to remember like it makes more is, sense. Uh, You also
1: have to remember about how much nascar is charging for commercial spots mm-hmm. that's another big thing is it, not only nascar also fox that has a huge thing to do and depending on how much money they're really willing to to shell out for that some companies be like no like just give me an ad spot like i really don't care like it, it, if it's 10 percent of what you're actually asking for you to go commercial free then I would rather take the 10% rather than try to shell out, you know, X
2: amount of money that's going to yeah. put us out just so you can get 37 and a half miles. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely tough. I mean, I, I just, I mean, I think it's a joke, but I don't know if there's a way to fix it.
1: That's the problem.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I'm going to go joke
0: as well. Um, Keith, you were right at 35 minutes. If they were running 14 second laps, 35 minutes, we got the whole race in granted halftime break. Fair. Um, book in the ice cube concert with commercials, you know, um, do an extra long set of commercials, maybe instead of the normal four minute slot or whatever you run for commercials, do a six minute, you know, get a couple more in there. Um, when I was doing my, I would do it. I did it a few times last year where I would actually count the commercials. I would say they went to commercial, this lap came back this lap. Here's how many laps we missed under commercial. And it's average about 25 to 30% of the race. Could you imagine if during, I don't know, not even the Super Bowl, but any NFL game. You missed a third of the game, a quarter of the game. You know, I mean, why, as, as NASCAR fans, I understand kind of why we're treated like this, just because you don't have constant NFL action for 45-plus minutes at a time. But come on. Um, I really wish NASCAR would offer up a streaming service. For I, was, I was thinking it. I was thinking 40 bucks a month, you would say it. Yep. <laughs> 40 bucks a month let me watch it stream free. I don't even care if Mike Joy and Tony Stewart are talking during what is normally the commercial break. Let me watch the damn race. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like I've ever since F1 went commercial free back in I think 2018 was the first year they did this. I have never looked back because I I was used to Chrome's kid. You get commercials. NASCAR and TNT was like atrocious for commercials. There was like a Coke Zero 400 one year where 40% of the race was commercial and I was used to F1 on NBC and all these networks and I don't want to go back to that like I I wouldn't mind paying a little bit extra to have a commercial free broadcast but it just depends on how much demand there is because I'm sure not everyone's gonna like I I don't want to pay 40 bucks a month to get 20 more laps of racing but at the same time that, that that needs to be an option
1: yeah well i i think one cool thing is if they did 40 bucks a month and they do where you have access to all the racing series like all of, of nascar's hood you can choose whatever you want commercial free 40 bucks a month if i can go and watch you know the the Pinty series commercial free cool give me it you know if i really wanted to go and watch you know, a, a, a modified race Uh, there has to be some incentive. Of course, I don't think that it's, you know, fair to do 40 bucks a month for just the cup series, but if that's what it came down to for me to miss commercials, okay, whatever. Like, uh, I mean, uh, there's been times when the green flag drops six laps in and like, all right, we're going to commercial. And it's like, uh, uh, okay, I guess this is how it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I felt this
0: last week. I mean, we were, uh, the main event that they had hyped up so much, seven minutes, it was like, 20 laps into it, 25 laps into it, and they cut to commercial. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, as soon as I heard, though, we'll be right back. You know, I was like, ah, come on. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, Keith. We need to be running the sport. Yeah. I, I don't know who hasn't given us the keys yet. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> and damn Francis. I got one last Woker joke to tack on here. Um, with the Fox broadcast, we did see the addition of some smoke up in the booth. What did you think of Tony Stewart
1: going up there? That is a capital W-O-K-E. That was perfect. He was such a great addition. You have someone who's been across many different levels of motor racing, from IndyCar to dirt racing to NASCAR, from being a driver to an owner. I mean, it was perfect. He's been through all different phases of this sport and the amount of insight that he had to offer, and his humor that he had to offer up in the booth was perfect. It was so refreshing to hear that. It was refreshing to have him and Boyer going back and forth with Mike Joy, you know, leading the way. I thought it was awesome. And um, I'm actually a little upset that I'm actually going to be in the Daytona 500 because I can't watch the broadcast with Stewart up in the in the booth. I thought I think it would be awesome. I might just tape it just to hear him because he was that good. So I I love it. I hope he comes back. So that is definitely a woke.
2: Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, it's Tony Stewart. I mean, he doesn't have a ton of experience in the booth, but he does have some. Um, I think he was like a guest analyst for Bush series back in the day, and he did really good. So I'm excited. I'm glad we got to see him because I've always wanted to see him back in a booth. I was too young to see him when he actually did commentate at first. So, I had no complaints. I thought that no disrespect to Boyer. I thought he outperformed him in his booth debut for Fox. So I think if they can get guests like this in on a regular basis, it'd be a really cool concept to have this rotating booth. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Complete woke. Um, This also with smoke up there made me realize, granted, Fox is still one of the old huck huck joke fests. um, But it made me realize that Jeff was a lot of that. Um, especially with Jeff and Clint up there because Stuart added a different level of seriousness that Mike did. Oh, yeah. then That's what I really enjoyed. Branch off of instead of just Clint and Jeff back and forth, back and forth, and then serious yeah. once in a while. Um, Stuart and Mike seem to be bouncing off each other a lot with Boyer kind of comment here and there, um, which I really, really enjoyed. It was kind of a breath of fresh air. Again, even though it's still – I mean, and I'll get into this here in my rant in a second – but uh, it's still quite a bit of a joke fest, but that did add a lot of professionalism up in the booth. Yes. Yeah. And to Keith's yeah, point. Like I'm happy about that. He's around. Man. Um, I yeah. was really worried that he was going to be like a one race thing just for the clash, but it, he's at least coming back for Daytona, which will be great. Yes. Yes. Um, in the spirit of Alex, not being here, Alex, I know you're watching on YouTube. I'm going to go through the rant. So feel free to chime in. Um, Fox, Fox, you're killing me here. Um, not even commenting on the joke of the broadcast that was going on, um, but the camera work was atrocious. Man, I felt like I did a big rant about Mav TV doing the chili bowl, and this was, it wasn't quite as bad, but it's still really bad. Why are we watching a rear bumper cam for four laps? Why are we cutting the onboard footage for two laps when there's a great battle going on? You know, why are we they cut away at the LCQ when there was a transfer spot up for grab just to watch Ty Dillon kind of kick rocks on everyone. Why the hell aren't we focusing on the battles? Why are we doing such tight shots? It's a quarter-mile track. All right, I get it for Fontana, okay? Fine, have a tight shot once in a while. But Jesus Christ, how close of a shot can you get on a quarter-mile track? I might as well have shot that with a fucking Polaroid. Like Jesus Christ, you can show more than one car on this little <laughs> bus track. Show me a couple overview. I'd rather see overview for five to seven laps at a time than Joey Logano's rear bumper watching him pull away from Kyle Bush with six laps to go. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: It was <sighs> bad. It was really, really Man. bad. And it, it pissed me off to no end because like you, you come to the end of these races and you have you have two drivers that have a very open distaste for one another. And you are branching out this sport to a whole new audience. And you're going to show the back bumper. You're going to show the front bumper of watching Bubba Wallace lock up. Like, instead of, like, being like, Kyle Busch needs another shot, you know, and showing, like, a wide-angle shot of him going after Joey Logano. Like, I I I don't get it. I don't understand where, where any of the mentality was. Why are there so many onboard shots? Why are there so many bumper cam shots? Why do we need to see, like, why does the camera need to be like this for, like, 12 <laughs> laps? I don't know. I don't know. And it's so obnoxious. And it, it makes me think about, like, NBC and how they do it and like they don't do that and fox for whatever reason just wants to like zoom in the camera so where you can like see oh this is the man's fingerprint on the paint of the car yeah. like <laughs> no I don't want to see that man like I want to see racing that's what I I sit down and watch every sunday for is so I can see racing if I wanted to see details I go to youtube and I watch detailing videos but no Like you are on the big stage on a network television act like it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I can't agree more. I mean, the zooming in is kind of crazy. I mean, it's stupid. Like you'll look at cars side by side, zoom right in, zoom back out. I'm like, why, why are we doing this? And there was a point in one of the last chance races where they literally had a split screen looking at Hamlin, watching the race for like the entire last half of this race. Just looking like at him. Kim Burton. I know. I'm like, I don't need to see the the owner of the team. Like, I don't need to see that. Or there was one where they had a split screen. They looked at Bubba Wallace's in car camera for like five laps. I'm like, I don't need to see his face. Like, I want to see the actual race. And yes, it's yeah. crazy. I don't understand their TV direction. Like, they'll switch away, and it's just they they don't seem to cover the race as much as they do one thing. And. That's one of the things that I appreciate NBC doing more better than Fox is that they do like a through the field segment, at least during the playoff races. So even yeah. the non-playoff guys get some sort of coverage and Fox, they seem to be notorious for just focusing on one thing, like one driver, one car, whatever it is. Like there's more to a race. They got to show everything.
0: Yeah and, yeah. and Fox is especially bad. I do remember, I think it was the Daytona road course. I don't remember if it was Xfinity or cup. Um, last year when they did, it was on the start of the race and something went on and they immediately went to a full screen replay for the rest of the first lap and missed like two other incidents that they then had to go back to a full screen replay to show you what they missed because they were showing you a replay of what you just fucking saw. Like do the replays later. Like let's go back six laps and look at this. They do replay. They cut into replays so quick. I wish they would zoom out the camera so quick. Like, Jesus. You, you,
1: you know what pisses me off is that after a race is over and there's like a certain kind of finish that really it was like, okay, whatever. And instead of them showing like the celebration of the driver, they're just like, oh, look at this. This man was 9,000 feet away from second place. You can see this again. And like, meanwhile, you hear this dude just shredding his tires in the background. You're like, can you please just show me what the fuck i been waiting for for four hours? please. Like I've been waiting to get to this point and you're going to show me a replay of this for what, why, why, why? Like what I I really appreciate about Dale Earnhardt Jr. is that he'll go against the, you know, the guy who's running the show for NBC. And, you know, you'll see, you know, two guys, you know, running first and second Mm -hmm. for 15, 20 laps in a row. And Dale Jr. Like, oh, look at Joey Gase. Just let's just go there. And he'll leave the camera where he feels like it needs attention. And I think that's awesome. It's perfect because it it puts a a certain um, excitement into the field because someone who never heard of Joey Gase before was watching this is like, Oh, I guess they don't just show the leader the whole time. You know, like, that's what I appreciate Mm -hmm. about not only the broadcast, but the people who are up in the booth who are calling the race, like those guys, they get to, they're up, in in tower and they get to watch the race it's not just the tv screen i know that that that, you know the guys that are running the show they want you to watch the tv screen to commentate on what's going on there but sometimes you just lift your head up and you just look out at the racetrack and you just kind of scan it like the amount of times you've heard down her dream like oh car on the wall and you're not going to see that on the tv screen because he's looking up and he's looking around and that is someone that I, i think a lot of different people within the broadcast community they need to take note because that is perfect. It's awesome. I love it. And Fox, they need some serious help with how they're doing it. You know, the way that they're running their cameras, where they're running their broadcasts, it needs, it needs some major tuning. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Keith, you did bring up a great
0: point about Dale Jr. Um In the broadcast, we've kind of pointed the camera here once. Um, let's say a cameraman or one of the spotters for, you know, the networks is out and they see something. Well, the guy running the show, the master of it, so to speak, um, he's not going to listen to them as much as he will Dale Jr. or Steve Latart or Jeff Burton, who's in the ears of us on TV, right? Yes. They, I mean, Jr. and Steve Latart know that if they say something on the broadcast, they're going to have to change the camera or at least show something of it because now <laughs> we put it in our heads. Um, yes. So I really wish, and I hope Smoke kind of brings this, um, but the broadcasters would do a little bit better job of calling out something on TV. Um, That's something that Fox isn't really good for. Instead, they'll do, right. yeah, yeah. You know, 10 laps about this one shot. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I would say another thing, like the replays, like you were saying, if there's something insignificant, I don't like how they cut to them so quickly. Like just show the burnout or whatever, you know? Yeah. I, I think I have a problem with F1 doing something similar. Is it, it'll be halfway through lap one and like there's still positions changing and they go to a full screen replay of the start. I'm like, Hey, Whoa, Whoa. The first lap's not over. There's still positions being changed. You know, a lot, like, There's a lot. Like it's Especially crazy on
1: that first lap, man. I'm like, That's come on. I want to see the whole so first much. lap.
2: Yeah. And it's just, I, I feel like Fox has that problem where they have like tunnel vision on one thing. Yeah. But NBC, like, like, like he said, it's getting better because the drivers in the booth, like they know what they're seeing and they can tell them like, Hey, we got something going on over here. Something's happening here. It's just, it's a lot better that way. I think when you have somebody that knows what they're seeing, they can tell the cameraman what to do instead of just the announcers waiting for the cameraman to go to a certain thing like Fox. You never notice them other than Mike joy. They never really point out an incident before the camera shows it. Whereas Dale jr. Constantly yelling about cars in the wall before you ever see it.
0: Yeah. Yelling
2: is an understatement there, even. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a jump scare. (laughs) Yeah, it
1: really is.
0: (laughs) Um, So Clash is done. First official unofficial race of the year is over with. Um, We are going to go into a quick Daytona 500 preview. We are not going to have a show next week because Wednesday is qualifying and Wednesday is also our recording day. And I think most of us would rather watch qualifying then sit
1: here and, and I would much about. rather watch qualifying, but I do love you guys. So yeah, well, I, mean, I, I, I would yeah. I would absolutely forfeit qualifying, to be with you guys for sure. We appreciate the honesty
0: because yeah, I'm in the <laughs> same boat. <right? laughs> um, now, Alex, on our uh, on our outline here, put this at the bottom. I'm going to bring it to the top. Um, we have seen yeah. a conspiracy of poll winners, and it has been going off at least the last decade, if not longer than that. Um, of the poll winner always being some kind of big story. We saw it when Austin Dillon won the poll um, when the three car was returned. Danica Patrick in her rookie season won it. Chase Elliott in his rookie season. Jeff Gordon his final year. Um, what what are we going to see with this pole spiracy this year, or are we going to see anything different other than Hendrick locking it out again?
1: Um. So if I'm going to go with pole spiracy I really – I think your pole spiracy is going to be – Brad Keselowski with his brand new race team, leaving the team that he built from the ground up from you know, the days that, you know, Rusty Wallace and Kurt Busch left behind and he made the two car his and he moves on to his own race team and he goes out with, you know, Roush Fenway Keselowski and goes and wins the poll. I think with a Mustang, that's going to be a, something that is very fathomable. Uh, I think it's a real possibility, but the way that the last few years have gone, I have a hard time believing that anybody but a Chevrolet, especially a Hendrick Chevrolet, is going to end up winning the poll. But if I'm going to go with a poll spirit, it's Brad Keselowski. But if I'm going to be going with someone who is just off of raw speed, I believe you are going to see William Byron win the poll.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with that. If I had to pick a pole I will go Kurt Busch because, you know, he just signed a deal with Jordan, endorsement deal. It's a massive, massive thing because he's only the second driver in the history of the sport to have that behind his team owner. And mm-hmm. it's a big team, big sponsors, all that kind of stuff, a lot of hype. You know, people are going to tune in and say, hey, that guy drives for Michael Jordan, you know, people that might have yeah. never seen a NASCAR race before. So if I had to go with it, I'll go with Kurt. If not, like you said, it's either the 24 or the 48. It's a one of those two.
1: Yeah.
0: I am looking back. Um, the last time that a Chevrolet did not win a poll at the Daytona 500 was Carl Edwards in 2012, and it was won by a Ford. Yes. Before that, it was David Gilliland in 2007, mm-hmm. um, and then Greg Biffle, Dale Jarrett, 2004, 2005, respectively. Um, other than that, Chevrolet has won the vast majority of them over the last 20 years. Toyota still has not won a Daytona 500 pole.
2: They're not. Yeah. They never prioritize single car speed. Like they've never, because I listened to Chris Lambert on a podcast, talk about that. And he said that they will really, really focus on handling in the draft. They're like, if we can handle well, that's fine. We don't need to have Rossby. We just need to be good in the draft. And obviously it hurts them in qualifying because they haven't really won a pole. I think they've only had maybe one front row start. And that was 2018 which was Hamlin when he qualified second. And other than that, I don't think they've ever qualified on the front row for a 500 because they just don't Uh, have Michael Walsh in
1: 2008.
2: Oh yes. Yes. So we got two and then everyone else has had multiple. So it seems like whatever Toyota doesn't have in the single car, they just, they put it all in the race and usually it equals out. Like they're usually all right in the race. Um,
0: yeah, that is a good point. I did not know that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say we have another Hendrick lockout. Pick two drivers. That's who it's going to be. Um, I think it'll, if we're going with spiracy, it's probably going to be Larson, um, as long as I can keep that Hendrick theme going. I am mm-hmm. I just pulled up all the pole winners. Spiracy goes back a long way. Oh, yeah, it does. Um, man, I can probably go back further than this, but 2001 with Bill Elliott when he first signed on to Everham – uh, won the poll to Dodge, Jimmy Johnson, his rookie year, two thousand two. Um, God, I mean, we Carl Edwards, twenty twelve. The tie thing, yeah. twenty eleven. Carl Edwards, twenty twelve.
2: Um, Who won twenty twelve? No, Carl Edwards won twenty twelve. Right, Danica, twenty thirteen. Yep, Danica. And 2013. And then Dylan Gordon, you know the rest.
0: Yeah. Chase Elliott, back to back. Alex Bowman, yeah. William Byron, Stenhouse in twenty twenty. That was yeah, that was an oddball.
2: Yeah, that was, but again,
0: falls right in line with Paul Spearcy. He's been shit on his entire career. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I still think it's going to be Hendrick, even though we're going with Paul spiracy here. I think Larson gets it. Um, That's fair. With that That's being fair. said, obviously we aren't going to know the lineup of the clash or of the, uh, the duels. duels. Um, but what yeah. do you guys expect to see in the duels as far as racing goes?
1: Um, I'm going to expect conservative. I think with such a limited amount of race cars. And of course they just announced that after so many years of the Daytona 500 winning car going to the motorsports museum right next door to sit there for a year, they're going to allow the teams to take that car back. And that that's huge because the you know, teams have been fine with letting the car go and letting it sit there for a whole year, but now they're going to wrap a prototype Uh, next-gen car with the same look, the same confetti look and everything. Um, And that just goes to show you where we are in terms of where the limitations are of these cars. And so no one wants to go out and destroy their primary for the 500. So Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see a very conservative race until the very end. Um, There might be a couple bonehead moves, but for the majority of the duels, both one and two, there is going to be a lot of conservation. I think you might even see the pole sitter drop to the back of the field and just chill there like with another couple cars because they have no real reason to go up and wreck their race car. So it's going to be a, a, this is what I'm thinking. I know it's it's you know just me talking and it could very well just be chaos from the drop of the green, but from what all these supply supply chain issues we have I really genuinely think we're going to be seeing a very conservative um, duel race. But as far as the 500 goes, we'll see.
2: Yeah, I I would have to agree. Um, I actually weighed going to the duels because I have a hotel starting on Thursday night and it's like 100 yards away from the track. But I also have homework to do. And I was thinking, you know, if, if the duels are going to be mostly conservative and I would expect probably the guys that have to race their way in, those are probably the only ones that are going to be taking a lot of risk I'm thinking like I might as well just sit in the parking lot and have to race my phone I could listen to the cars in the background because I'm so close to the track and just do schoolwork or whatever you know yeah I just I just don't think it's gonna be that crazy of a race I think that they're probably just gonna hang around the guys that are locked in usually you'd see them race for the win at least on the last lap You would just to get reps and stuff they wouldn't go crazy but they would still try to race Yeah, but I think now you're probably going to see them a little more conservative. You know, maybe they don't try to make any moves in the last lap. Maybe they try to stay away from the guys that are racing their way in because they don't want those guys to take them out and vice versa. So I don't know. I I don't I don't want it to be boring, but at the same time, I think it's going to be a lot more conservative than last year's tools. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I definitely think if you're a car that's locked into the 500, you're not going to try to race. Um, You're going to try to keep your spot as best you can. But if you fall back, so be it. You got 200 laps on Sunday to figure it out. Um, I think the main racing that we're going to see is from the cars that we are going to be sending home. Ultimately, we are going to be sending a few of them home. Um, Those are going to be the real racers going on. And I hope that if they are going to race super hard, they all decide to just drop to the very back of the pack and decide, okay, we're not going to trash all these cars, the teams that have limited parts. Um, Let's duke it out ourselves and then go from there. Um, I do think we will see the pole and the outside pole winner um, fall back or even fall almost completely out of the race. Um, Like we did see last year with Alex Bowman, um, how he miraculously had a problem on lap two, and they spent like 15 laps in the pits and then miraculously got it fixed. And then, had another problem and then got it fixed. And they only ran like seven laps or something like that at the duel. Yeah. Um, I definitely think we're going to see more of that this year, especially with the limited parts.
2: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Going into, um, going into the race and I guess even Thursday too. Nate, you went to the test. So go ahead and lead with this one. How do you think drafting mm-hmm. is going to look with these new cars? Ooh, I think it's going to
2: be different. Um, I don't know if you're going to see those massive runs like you used to, um, Probably because the spoiler smaller, but I, I don't, I do think it'll be a little more like gen four ish. Maybe I don't know if it'll be as crazy, but the bumpers seem a lot rounder. They don't seem like they line up as well. So it, it took a lot of effort to push people. You saw a couple people pushing during the test, but it just seemed like it took a ton of effort to do that perfectly. And obviously during the runs, I didn't really see a lot of, see a lot of what happened other than what was directly in front of me. So I probably wouldn't be the best judge of, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. But I know Truex was asked about it, and he thinks that it's going to be like a little bit like the Gen 4. He just said pre-COT. So that could either be the Wickerbill Gen 4, or it could be the the rest of the Gen 4 era. Who knows? But yeah, I definitely don't think it's going to be like the COT, where you had guys locked onto each other, massive packs. I don't know if you're going to see the... 10 mile an hour closing rates that you saw in the last couple of years at the Gen 6 either. So I don't know. I think it'll be a little bit tamer, but I don't know if it'll be like a complete disaster from like 2000 was or whatever. So yeah. I think it'll be somewhere in the middle. Keith, you got anything to top off on that? Have you seen
1: um with- I think it's going to be a lot more calculation. I think the drivers that have been in this sport and they have been successful on the plate races, like your Logano's, your mm-hmm. Kyle bushes, your Brad Keselowski's, you're going to see them, Denny oh, Hamlin. You're going, to, you're going to see them go and take their time. I, I think that it's it's not going to be the closing rates that we've had, but you also have to take into account it's not only the car. We now have an 11-, 12-year-old surface that we're going to be racing on. So this surface is starting to degrade. You have you know, hurricanes that roll through. There's all these times that they have different kind of rain showers that roll through. Um, and I'm sure that you know, eroded the track a little bit. When you look at like the 2009, 2010 Daytona 500s, those cars were wicked, wicked all over the place. And even in like 2004, Daytona 500, you see drivers you know, bouncing around, bopping around, and um, the cars are kind of hard to handle. I think you're going to see a little bit of that. I think that drivers are going to get out on the racetrack. And I think they're going to feel it pretty quick when it comes down to the duels that the cars are going to be different because now you're going to be in a race setting. Now it's no longer, okay, preserve the car, just learn. Now, when you go into the duel on Thursday, it's going to be, go after it, see what you can figure out and what this car feels like. And then ultimately I think the biggest test is going to be, when they line up on the grid for the 500 you're under the florida sun and it's going to be a hot racetrack. track it is going to be slick it's going to be all over the place it is going to be exciting i can just i can feel it these race cars are going to do really well i have a lot of optimism for it i think that even if it flops it's still going to be something that we're going to look forward to in the future because look at the 2013 Daytona 500 you know where we started with the Gen Six, horrible, horrible, and then you look at the most recent Gen Six plate race that we had, and you're like, God, I wish these cars raced like this in the future. So I, I think that we're gonna we're, we're in we're in a really good spot where we've figured out just what we like in these race cars, and it's gonna go a long way. So I think the 500 is gonna be yeah. an excellent show.
2: I'm pretty interested in that. I, I do think a little bit of it's going to be like the gen six the early gen six where the air bubble was a thing where like you wanted to lead every lap versus the the big spoiler package where maybe it wasn't as good to lead the laps like maybe you wanted to be in second or third Hmm. um i do think that there were some driver complaints they're like you know the runs are too big and whatnot but i think you're gonna see drivers maybe with more you're not gonna see the crazy blocking or the the massive runs but I think there's more sense of urgency to lead the race because if passing is more difficult, then they're going to want to try and be at front for the entire race because they know that if they get sent to the back of the pack, they might not be able to get back up. You know, you saw that like with the air, bubble. I just call it the air bubble era because that's what Dale Jr. calls it. But if it's harder to pass people from the back, then you're not going to want to be back there. You're going to see guys like they want to control the race. So that might be interesting. Like if there's green flag pit stops, there's going to be a lot of emphasis on execution and trying to lead every lap. Like that might be a big thing. It's something that we didn't see last year because they just rode around knowing that everything's going to go crazy on the last lap. Why fight now? Yeah. You know, you might see them like they did in 2014, for example, they might race every lap because they want to lead the race. So I'm hoping that we get that urgency back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, let's move into some predictions here. Keith and Nate, you guys are both going with the 500, yeah? I know Keith is. Yeah, yes. I will be there. Yep. Um, so Keith, I got to ask you, Nate, you live close, um, so I know you can't. Keith, are you going to be there on Monday in case it rains out? Yes.
1: Uh, okay. I have a, I have a, a rental house probably about an hour and 20 minutes south of the track, Um, staying there with some family, some friends, and uh, we're heading up to the racetrack on Sunday. But we planned it so where we have that full day on Monday. So if need be, we have our opportunity to go back the next day and uh, be okay to to head back home on on Tuesday. So we will be back on Monday should it rain out.
2: Yeah, I will. I will definitely be back on Monday because my hotel is 100 yards away from turn four. So – If need be my, I don't have a hotel Monday night, but I can just, I live about an hour away so I can just get up, sleep in, go to the track when the race is over. I just drive home. So, I mean, hopefully we don't have to talk about Tuesdays. I don't want to have to worry about that, but I can always drive my way back because I'm that close. So Um, I mean, I don't want to have a situation like 2018 where or not 2018. Why did I say that? 2020 where, you know, I live, I lived in Clearwater back then, you know, I was three hours away and I didn't have a car back then. So I had to go back and I couldn't come back for 20 for the Monday, 2020 resumption, which sucked. But this year I'm pretty much planning to just go, whatever happens. Like, I don't care if it's a Wednesday, I'm still going to go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is, which is awesome. I'm glad you guys are, Planning that extra yeah. day because we've seen how it has been the last 10 years. Um, yeah. I want to do a quick prediction for the 500, and then we're just going to roll right into the outro from there. Um, mm-hmm. Keith, do you have an
1: early pick of who you think is going to win this race? He is going to be the two-time Daytona 500 winning driver, Kevin Harvick.
2: Oh, that's a nice Ooh. one. That's a good one.
1: That one, I, I feel that that car – is going to be a beast this year. I think Kevin Harvick's got a chip on his shoulder. And I have such a hard – I am one of those, like, you know, hey, hey, I the pole-spiracy. I don't oh, have, yeah. like, paint, I have, like, the paint – I had, like, the paint scheme conspiracy. There's no way a car can look so damn good and not win a race. And Kevin Harvick's car, that Bush light car, is disgusting. It is real. And I, I, I genuinely believe that when that car gets out there for 200 laps – At the end of it all, it's going to be the one that crosses the line first. So Kevin Harvick is my early prediction.
2: That's a good pick. I was about to say that, you know, in an era where nobody wanted to control the race last year, Harvick actually was one of the guys that had like the highest average running position in all four of the super speedways. And I think he finished top 10 in three of the four. He was second when he got wrecked on the last lap in one of them. So he probably should have been in all four. So I think that's a really good pick. But since you took took that one, I think I'm gonna to have to go with Kurt Busch. Um, he was kind of that gut pick that I had ever since he announced him to the 45. I was like, this is this is a good opportunity for him. He's got a couple cars that that he could probably work with. Um, that's something that Toyota hasn't really had lately. Is numbers they've only had four or five cars, so adding an extra one will probably only help him. And I think that he's obviously gonna try and make a big impact in his first race for them. Um, it would be an enormous story, you know, someone who just signed for the Jordan brand and he's got all these big sponsors, all the hype wins a second Daytona 500. That'd be pretty big. So I I just, it's hard to go against him just because he does have a track record for winning, you know, unpredictable races. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: when there's a lot of unknowns, I think of Kurt Busch. So.
0: I am going to go with, now, Alex, you're watching. This isn't my pick because I do want to
2: save him. For yeah, that's standard. what I was going to say. I'm, I'm um, saving Kurt Busch for another day.
0: But my prediction, I think Bubba Wallace is going to get it done. Um, he is really fast at the super speedways. We know there's money behind that car. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we know that he can perform on the big plate tracks. Toyota's super dominant when it comes to the restrictor plates. I think he's going to get it done, and he's going to make a big name for Michael Jordan, 2311 Racing, and Bubba Wallace. When he wins the Daytona 500 on Monday, it's going to rain out Sunday.
2: Mark my words. Oh, please. No, don't
1: tell me that, man. Come on.
2: I mean, I'm a little worried myself because it's like 50 degrees and rainy the last couple of days here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, please do not do this again. Please don't do this again. But (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it does. I just don't want it to happen.
0: Yep. We're going to see a Monday race. I'm calling it now. Um, so when it does happen, you guys can at me on Twitter and cuss at me all you want. But that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Last two years have been plagued with rain delays. We had a Monday race 2020. Yeah, that was not too Duplicate late day. Sunday race last year. Um, yeah, it's going to be on a Monday. And I am stoked about it, by the way, because my company decided to give us President's Day off this year. I was going to take it off anyway, but now I'm getting paid
1: for it. Wow.
2: Yeah, I so, do not want to. Can... I do not want to have a, a Monday race. Like I would like to good, get man, home I'm on good. Monday and get stuff done. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm already, I'm already yeah. skipping like two days of class for this. So. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that pretty much does it, Keith. I know you got to get to work here in about 40 minutes. Um, so hopefully, yeah. not
1: too far away from your wawa. <laughs> I'm I'm about like eight eight minutes away. So. Oh, I'm just that Throw some bad. clothes on, oh, and
0: yeah. bop on over. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, we appreciate having you on, Keith. Um, I do want to give a quick overview. Um, we do have pick four starting next week. We will have rules out on Monday. Um, so we're going to run some NASCAR fantasy through FanFuel. Um, full rules will be available on Monday. We will post them to Twitter as well as the website, FanFuelMotorsports.com. Um, basically, how it's going to break out or break down um, is there's going to be the top 28 drivers and points. There's going to be six race segments throughout the year. Seven drivers in each tier. You're going to pick four per week um, is how it's going to break down. Again, full full rules on Monday. Um, I am excited to get this going here. Um, other than that, do you guys have any final words? Keith, you have a good
1: trip down there, dude. Oh, dude, I'm so excited. I, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw my tweet, but I cried this morning because I'm like, I'm going to up for the first time. This is my 17th year watching the sport. I remember – my first time watching the 500 was johnson's 06 win so i ever since then i've watched every 500 i've watched every finish um no matter how exciting or heartbreaking that it was i've watched them all and um i am so so stoked that i get to go and see my first 500 i'm really excited about the new car I, i i know that you are a very big um disliker of the forward number But I know for a fact it's going to look good at Daytona. I'm excited for it. Um, Would not be opposed to seeing the door number come back because that is my preferred spot. It's where it should be. But alas, I have no pull in this sport and it doesn't matter what I say. I just get to watch it. Um, But regardless, lots of great paint schemes. Chase Elliott's is among some of my favorite of the race cars that are out there right now. Kyle Bush's, I'm super stoked to see his m and car. I think that's one of the best ones they've had in years. So super cool. I, I know that not, not a lot of people are excited about Logano's car. Um, and it, it kind of irks me a little bit, but I know there's all these different you know sponsorship guidelines about yeah. what they have to do, what they can do. So I kind of got to give a little bit of leniency considering you know how good we had it for the last 11 years. But, um, you know, listen, I I am super, super pumped. I'm sure I'll be seeing some people out there. I hope I see you out there, Nathan. Yeah. Yeah, Um, If I run into you,
2: I will definitely say hi.
1: I would love it. You know, I I know there's going to be buddies of mine that are going to be out there that I'm going to run into. So I am so, 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 so excited.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, if we're naming paint schemes, I want to give a shout out to Daniel Suarez's Comscope scheme. They just unveiled that yesterday. That is a great looking paint scheme. Um, I love track house. They don't shove the number into the fender. Like they do it the least offensive way they can, which is really nice. And those colors are perfect. Like I love those bright colors. Um, It's easy to spot. It looks really cool. So that's, that's an early contender for my paint scheme of the year. I mean, I, I've
1: already got a few of them, but I, I know that for Trackhouse, Kyle Sykes is the guy that runs. Oh yeah, runs a lot of the paint scheme stuff over there, and yeah. he has some stupid good paint schemes. Yeah, and ever since he has been with Trackhouse, even for you know 2021, and now with this new next gen rollout of how these paints are gonna look like for the 500, I know Suarez has his Tootsie's car, and I love that. That's car. another good one
2: too. Yeah, because oh, I, actually I mean, really the like Tootsies, that Tootsie's it's huge.
1: The Tootsie's is huge on the side. It reminds me a lot of a V8 supercar, and I think that that's so cool. You're not going to be able to miss it. So Kyle Sykes over with, uh, with Trackhouse is an excellent, excellent choice. And you see a lot of his, um, his artistic flavor come out when it comes oh, to, yes. like, the Comscope scheme. Or um, I know there's going to be several other schemes that are coming out this year that are just – they're so damn good.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am not going to touch on the paint schemes because, as Keith said, I am a huge hater of the number moving forward. Uh, (laughs) So none of the cars look good to me, but they would look fantastic with the number centered on the door. Um, But I've complained about it enough. I don't need to do it anymore. You guys can just follow me on Twitter and then hear me complain about it all day Sunday. Um, That's probably what I'm going to be doing for at least 300 of those 500 miles. Um, Other than that, you guys – You guys listening and watching, please check us out on FanFuelMotorsports.com, on Twitter at FanFuelMSM, capital F, capital F, capital MSM. Check out our second podcast with myself and Jared Bakaisa, the Slick Track Podcast. We just had Logan Shuhart, World Outlaws Championship contender, on uh, last week. Um, You can hear Jared and I talk about our noobness in the world of dirt. Um, And then be sure, uh, again, to check us out at FanFuelMotorsports.com. Like us on Facebook. Go follow us on Twitter. Um, Go follow Keith Merrick on Twitter, at Keith Merrick. Right there, right there. Yeah, one of only two people to be on the show twice. Um, We will definitely make it thrice by the end of the year um, because we do love having you on, Keith. Um, I love being here, man. Yeah, hell yeah, we love having you. Um, Nate, it was good, good being the co-host with you this week. I'm excited to have Alex back. Because I do not like doing
2: this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a great host either. So I'll be pretty excited for Alex because he usually kind of carries the load for us. So yeah. whenever he's back, that'll be kind of cool because it makes my job a lot easier. Yep. You know, I don't have to read as much of the outline because like someone's doing it for me. So.
0: Yep. Yeah. So Alex, we do miss you, Keith. We will have you on again at mm-hmm. least one more time this year. Um, you just may become a regular on here um, as far as guests go. Um, You you ring
1: the phone, I'm coming. I promise. all All
0: right. Thank you guys again for listening and watching, and we will see you next time.